the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So we will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, after the fact. But we are still in the spirit, in the mode of thanks, giving thanks to God for... Uh, in the first place, all this rain stays. <laughs> I, I know it maybe is a little bit too much, and we say thank you, Lord, for the rain, and thank you for stopping it <laughs> as well as a few days. Give us a little sunshine, a little bit of warmth. We, uh, I was telling the uh, trainees this morning in our classes that mentioning to them this is South Texas version of winter. And, of course, many of them are from states where they have a real winter, and they all just kind of chuckle and laugh. Well, wow, you guys don't have a winter for sure. <laughs> but anyway, we we did. Uh, we can thank God for our weather, our families. That was a big theme. For some reason, our, our family, this year we got together. We have a little a group of our family, not every member, extended family as well. But it was on everybody's mind was so thankful for family this year. You know, Maybe that's just common every year, but mm-hmm. it was kind of a focus for us. Had a great time of just giving thanks to the Lord and, and remembering that uh, He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. You know, every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. Mm-hmm. So we we appreciated it. And I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. If you want to give us a call during the program and talk a little bit about it, we'd love to hear from you. That's fine, too. And uh, we're... We're going to um, continue our way through the book of Genesis. This last week, we actually finished the book of Genesis. We went uh, all the way to chapter 50. I think that's where it ends, right? Chapter 50, verse 26. Mm -hmm. And uh, the book starts in a garden and ends in a coffin in Egypt. It's kind (laughs) of an interesting uh, journey there in the book of Genesis. Yes, I think it shows... I think it shows how yeah. how quickly that 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 declined quickly. Yeah, it, it, it went south <laughs> went pretty south fast, pretty fast. <laughs> but right in the midst of it, though, yeah. Um, yeah. God was at work, and there were some. There were those who wanted God, desired God, sought God, acknowledged Him, of course, and who wanted to be right with God. And so they became the people of God. And so we we saw the beginning of many things. And but, I do um, think, yeah, uh, well, not, not to, but also today is the first uh, day of Advent. And that kind of that season of waiting, of, of expectation. 
And uh, interesting. Uh-huh. And you know, I don't. I've never been a part of a church family that that kind of follows that or makes that a. a, Now they made today. uh, I went from Boys Ranch, which was non-denominational, non-sectarian. Where you know we. We didn't do any of the, you know, we didn't baptize. We didn't do, we didn't wash right. each other's feet. We didn't it even wash our own feet. Little, I don't know. Let alone one another's. But no, we, uh, we, <laughs> we studied the Bible, read the Bible, heard the gospel message, but we, <laughs> but we didn't, uh, we didn't practice any of the, of the religious rituals <laughs> because they were so different from one denomination to the other right. and so on, I guess. Well, it's very beautiful. It's a very pretty, yeah, yeah it's a very ri- kind of rich in church church history kind of um and just tradition and but it's but it's all very meaningful it marks the and very it must be related to the jewish calendar right in some way uh yeah well i think it's to the i don't know that it goes back to the jewish calendar well insofar as the jewish calendar affects the christian calendar mm-hmm, <laughs> yes perhaps mm-hmm. but um i think it uh is the certain Let's see, it's the fourth Sunday out from Christmas, and this year Christmas falls on a Sunday, and so this is uh, the first day of Advent. It's not always Is Advent kind of celebrating the beginning of... uh uh, uh, I don't know. Yes, the, and the, then the you kind go, of looking for uh-huh. the coming of the Messiah, uh-huh. the, the coming of... Uh, yes, uh-huh. and then uh-huh. Christmas, of course, marks that arrival, the fulfillment of that. And then you go into um, into Easter, uh, or, or then you start, um, you know, what is it when everybody... Lent, and then you go into uh, the season of Lent, uh-huh. and um, the expecting of... Um, hmm. I wonder if that's celebrated. Uh, I'm thinking of Spain, Belgium, places oh, where yeah, we've lived, sure and so they, I'm uh-huh. guessing they have yes. something Would to some degree. But uh, but just speaking, I, I guess you know, even in the that season of expectation and of coming and of of waiting um, began. I mean, from the moment Adam and Eve were. Stepped out of, the, were exiled mm-hmm. from that garden. And the Messiah was and, promised. Mm-hmm. I uh, guess they've been looking for his coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so what the Old Testament is about, really. Right. The, not only right. that, but the expansion uh, of the pool of the human race out of which God is calling a people for himself uh, and keeping alive the, the people. And we talk, we ended up talking about Abraham. Uh, Isaac and Jacob. Uh, it went from it went from the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, uh, and then it broke. Uh, Seth, you have you have Cain and Abel, and mm-hmm. so we already see the human race dividing between those who mm-hmm. really seek God, want to please God, know God on His terms, and 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 Abel that would be Abel and Cain no, and in the the battle or the animosity between them symbolized, I guess, through that relationship. And then Seth came along, who was kind of took the uh, Abel's place in, in the lineage uh, of the redeemed to, to keep looking for, for God, want God. Mm-hmm. So the human race then divided. Oh, I think you said last week something like 1,500 uh, or 1,600 years, didn't you say, between Adam and Eve and Noah. Right. Yeah. Yes. And they have right. those genealogies, mm-hmm. uh, those generations there in, in, in Genesis. And then in, if we come to Noah, the human race by this time had become corrupt entirely. And except for this one man and his wife and his three sons and their wives, eight people. So we have the flood, the judgment of God fell on humanity. And uh, except for Joah, Noah and his family were preserved. 
they alone, it says, sought after God and wanted God and desired God. And then they were told again to spread out and multiply, which was part of God's plan earlier even. He had told Adam and Eve the same. So the creation of people groups Mm -hmm. that would mitigate the effects of the sin nature that was now in the human race. And so we we talked about that, um, told them to spread out, but they didn't. And so come to the Tower of Babel, and again, the human race was marching in kind of lockstep to judgment and corruption and wickedness and perversion. And so the language was confused, and that successfully then broke the the people up into different competing people groups, people who live in the mountains, people who live in the valleys, people who live Mm -hmm. in the desert, people who live on the beach, on islands, and so on. So there were different... Uh, lifestyles and different vocabularies and so developed among. And so we had the beginnings of, uh, of people groups, of nations, of countries, of pe- people groups. <laughs> I like that word more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, ethnos is the, new, is the New Testament calls them mm-hmm. ethnos, people groups. And then, uh, of course, we move to chapter 11 in Genesis. We've already covered those early chapters. We've been, we, we probably spent a little bit too much time on them because it's just so tempting. There's so many as we see the book of Genesis uh, defining the beginning, the creation of the things and the processes that were put in place uh, for God's redemptive plan to play out over the centuries now with the human race growing and expanding, the, 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 the core purpose of God for the human race is I will, I will be their God, they will be my people. I'm, I'm going to call out of the, of the human race a people for myself, those who respond to me, to what I reveal to them of myself, and desire uh, to be right with God, to worship God, to know God, experience God, to live for God, not themselves. And and that's the core meaning. And so uh, the instruments were put in place so that the human race would endure, that wouldn't you know, self-destruct itself or go to God's judgment. And, and so now the the expansion and the growth and the multiplication has begun, and God calls a man now. Interesting, we were talking about just before the program that in, in the other part of his desire is he's, he wants to plant a vision and an understanding of who he is and what he's doing mm-hmm. in a, in his people. So, as we talk about people group, it's not a, it's not it's not. Um, Gene- genealogical it's not uh it's not genetic right. uh it, it's uh it's really a matter of faith but the planting of that faith was planted in a interestingly enough in a marriage and in a people group mm-hmm. uh, i don't really want to overemphasize that but it seems interesting to me that when god chose a a, a primary mode mm-hmm. out of which to function it it was the family. Right. Now, it wasn't an ideal family. I mean, they, they messed up. They had mm-hmm. um, polytheism. Uh, not polytheism, but poly... Um, mono... Well, you know, uh, marriage. marriage yeah. <laughs> Polygamy. <laughs> Polygamy. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, what, I mean, they had, they, they, had corrupt, they had bad marriages as well and, and so on. Uh, but that... Yeah. I, I do find it interesting that the seed of, of the message of the... Of the True and living God, and and the idea of being right with Him, be rightly related to Him through faith, uh, as we're told in the New Testament, mm-hmm. faith Abraham 
believed God and it was counted on him unto him for righteousness. That showing that faith was still, even at that time, the means by which mankind came into and became right with God. Right. And it was passed along. But it but it was planted in a family, in a people group. Right. And not a not a uh, not a royal family. No. Not any kind of a I mean, we don't know what sort of leadership or royalty they would have had at that time. But it does kind of feel, feel, I don't know if that's the word, but uh, maybe it's it's a, um, it just shows that God already had in mind hmm. that the Messiah would come as a baby and the best, um, you know, the best care and the best hands for a baby is a mother and a father. Yeah. A family. A family, right. Exactly. It- it's, yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's it. it, it huh. Maybe it just shows. You spark you know, something in yeah, there uh-huh. to me that that starting in a family. What what was it you said that? Uh, well, he already had. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. he God already knew, and that that the Messiah would come in the form of a of a baby, of a child, and of course, a baby is best raised and. Yeah. Loved and cared for in a healthy. Yeah, uh, and there were two objectives they had when. Uh, and sh- what is it? Chapter twelve. When we were introduced to Abram, Abram is his name at this time. All of a sudden, it switches at the beginning of chapter twelve or at the end of chapter eleven. Uh, it switches. It, it's go- after the Tower of Babel. It goes into the line of descent. From Shem to Abram, mm-hmm. uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Remember, are the three sons of, of Noah. Mm-hmm. And so from, and that's where we get the idea of Semites from Shem, hmm. I guess. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's right. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be overly humble about something that's pretty right. obvious, actually. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so then they go f- uh, from Shem, Ham, and Japheth and after uh, the Tower of Babel. Then we go, and Noah, we end up, it starts, introduces us to Terah's family, Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and they were they were God fearing, worshipped the true mm-hmm. living God. Now, I have to remember, as you, as we talked about last week, the the oral tradition and the memory of of creation of of God's judgment on the world, the flood of the Tower of Babel, these stories and these they were already being passed forward by godly people in the genealogy who had passed from generation to generation. So they knew about creation. They knew about the flood. They knew about this and Amanda. And they were, they were seeking after God, uh, the family of Terah. And God uh, calls Abram one day, who is going to be the, the, uh, the beginning of God's intervention in history, God's work. He's going to be the key to... God is going to call out a people from the people who have responded to him. He, they've given him permission by their faith in him and trust in him. And he works in and through them uh, without abusing their free will and so on. But he uses Abraham now and Sarah, Abram and Sarai and then Isaac and Jacob after him and so on. He's going to keep two things, two objectives. Keep alive a witness of God. Mm-hmm who the true, true living God. And, and it wasn't just about, as I said, uh, um, genetics. It wasn't just about his physical, biological family. We run into many, many people, including Melchizedek mm-hmm. and, that we right. talked about yeah. and other people groups that, 
There were others who sought God, loved God, wanted the God of creation, and mm-hmm. wanted. And, and of course, they were to uh, Abram would meet. They would try to mm-hmm. partner with him, encourage each other, and so on, as Melchizedek did. But uh, but the the focus now began on this people group with whom he they had this covenant to honor God, worship God, follow God, obey God, keep alive a vision of the one true living God. Uh, no polytheism, no idolatries and false gods and so on. And secondly, through this people group, through the uh, of believers, of people who honored him and believed him, at their time and in their way, because they didn't know everything we know. Nowadays, uh, believers, mm-hmm. we, well, in general, now there are a lot of people in this world today who frankly don't have much more rev- revelation of God than even Abraham did. You know, so many people still respond to the general revelation, mm-hmm. the sun, the moon, the stars, and so on, creation, et cetera. But uh, so he's going to work through them to keep alive a vision and to, uh, through this people group, eventually to bring that Messiah, to carry out the redemptive plan of God, the atoning work of the Messiah in mm-hmm. time and in space. Mm-hmm. Mankind fell into sin in time and space in reality, and we were purchased from it by in time and space by a man, as we were told in Genesis 3 and many, many other places as well. So that's now the purpose of this people group. We're going to start. We started following Abram in chapter 12. Uh, and you want to pick up there and just we're trying to be quick on this so we can kind of get over the overview of Genesis. Then you you have Abram. You, we, t- we have stories about him. He has a he does not have a son, and that's a that's an important deal. He has a, a nephew named Lot, and they have some adventures. Lot mm-hmm. goes you know to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram goes, mm-hmm. and so they all of these things have some significance. Uh, they they tell us something about God, about His uh, holiness, about His uh, mm-hmm. and about God's people, what they're like, what characteristics. They're per- certainly not perfect. Mm-hmm. But um, they they're forgiven and they know God and and they stay they're in that relationship with God and, and they're moving forward now. Uh, Lot's wife is turned to a pillar of salt. They destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know what we learn from each of these. Maybe we, some of our listeners could call in and tell us what what do we learn from some of these stories. I, the Bible is not a magic book. It's not like everything has a an allegory or somewhere everything has this deep meaning and so on. It, it's a story of God's dealing with people. Yeah. And in some ways, what was their experience? Yeah. And in some ways, um, just the, how ordinary and kind of, uh, normal, normal. <laughs> a lot of these are is what makes it so profound and meaningful. Yeah. Sometimes even so normal. I, I, I think yeah. we, uh, especially yeah. with, you know, with, with Sodom and Gomorrah, it's kind of, same old, same old, same old. There is, there, times haven't really actually changed that much in terms of our tendency towards sin and selfishness and chaos and um, disorder and, uh, you know, and, and perversion. Yes. Uh-huh. Mankind gets on a roll, and I tell you, we just. Right. And you would, you kind of, and in a case like this, maybe you can see, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. If that had been, if they had not, if Babel had not happened, 
you'd have maybe another situation where your pre-Noah days, where mm -hmm. the entire race was following in lockstep, as you say, as Sodom and Gomorrah was. But mm -hmm. at least in this case, Sodom and Gomorrah was isolated as just these mm -hmm. you know, towns. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, and the and destruction know, couldn't, in that case, the, uh, be isolated. I don't know what brought the, the judgment with fire and brimstone from the sky. I, I, I don't know. What, I, um, I don't really know. Right. Was that just totally, absolutely supernatural that God just said, I'm, or I'm a volcano or, 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 yeah, right. or was there some thing so, that we could point out or think right. of that God used right. in the process, but the, the, the uh, judgment fell right. upon them for sure. The thing that always does kind of, and I and will move on quickly, but the one that, d the thing that does get me about Sodom and Gomorrah is you wonder how could a, how could it, how could it, how could a people become so perverse that they would demand mm -hmm. To come out so that they, I mean, it just, um, like what in the, what, how, how could it be? It seems so, but, but actually the more and more I think about it and the more I see a lot of, especially when it comes to sexuality, I mean, it just seems like that is mankind's <laughs> downfall well, believe. so many times Yeah, I, and I, the, the story of Dinah, you yeah, know, oh, this, again, again, uh, it's, this. it's like, mm hmm and uh, oh, and here so we are. Even yes. then, was a powerful, powerful yep. impulse and force in the human race. And you race. could and see, I mean, if again, if the Messiah was going to be mm -hmm. come to us in the as a baby, mm -hmm. you could see why, yeah. why that would be where Satan primarily just makes his moves and attacks and. I mean, I'm sure that we, our own device, you know, I'm sure the, the flesh, the world and the flesh are probably evil enough, but, oh, yeah, but yeah. include the devil in that. And, mm -hmm. um, you can exactly see right. how, exactly um, right. that might be a weak, you know, a, a, a very, it continues to be a and very sharp yes. point of vulnerability yes. for human beings. And that because does worry me about, mm -hmm. of course, our culture today. Mm -hmm. And of course, anyone who has children has to be concerned about that, where we're doing what we're how right. we're moving uh, to such a perversion uh, right. is being um, even justified now and right. accepted and promoted mm -hmm. openly in, in, in like our in culture. Some, in some ways, you mm -hmm. think, oh, that's so sad, you know, the punishment that, or, you know, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, mm -hmm. But I don't know what would be worse, um, not being punished or, or living in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah, where mm -hmm. that is the people that you're living with those kind of people. So, and the violence that that unleashes. Yes. And oh. yeah, it, it, it is pretty terrible. I have to say something that is kind of a, I don't know what our, our listeners will think of it, but I know uh, there's a passage in the new Testament. I, I wish I had researched it more. I'm talking off the top of my head here, but it talks about heroes of the faith and it talks about people who were righteous and good. And if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, lot is, Named list. among them, and I, I may be sticking there, but the point is, is that uh, Lot may have, we we often think of Lot as having been uh, totally perverted, gone along because with because he chose Sodom and Gomorrah instead yeah, of the because he chose Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> but and, and even because whenever they came to him and demanded send out those men, we want to you know uh -huh. that he sent his daughters. 
Uh, you know, wait, was that Lot or are you, or is that the judge's story? Well, no, it was Lot too, I believe. Oh, so would you check it out when I'm okay. while I'm okay. talking? Okay. And you can correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but I think <laughs> yes. I think Lot too says, "No, don't do that." You know, here my daughter, my daughters, really? and mm. and I've always thought that how wicked, how terrible, how oh man, Lot must have been. And here Lot was Abraham's son, and he he knew about uh, God. I'm sure Abraham. Lot had uh, told him Abraham Abraham's cousin uh, nephew nephew yes God, uh, and so on. But he says uh, the point is is that I, I, there is a tradition, uh, and, and to some degree biblical, that Lot and how could Lot be considered you know righteous or having done the right thing or in some ways a, a holy person and seeking after God. And and the thought was, is that, well, at least he was trying to move them away from one level of perversion to another. In other words, instead of... Oh, interesting. Right. Isn't that? I mean, Uh I I had never thought of that in all my life, that instead of, like, (laughs) perverse sexuality, that... It was. Just, it, it, it was at least normal, or or, or not normal, but uh, what I don't know what the word is. But you understand my I point, do. right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know that I buy it, but I, I've heard that put forth uh, that that was. But there it is in or the New Testament. The Lord is maybe it was a maybe it was more. He he was really trying to protect them because he knew that his daughters would be okay. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I won't go any further because I let's don't understand on. it entirely. Yeah, let's do. <laughs> no. So we've got Abram. We've got, and then, of course, we get into the whole section about Melchizedek. You know, that yeah. Abraham has, uh, Abram has to rescue Lot one time from some enemies, and, and he meets Melchizedek in chapter uh, 14. And then we move on. Uh, we come to uh, Isaac. Uh, a- a- Abraham, his name is changed to Abraham. Then we have Abraham and Sarah, and uh, they go through their adventures of down into Egypt and so on. He's promised a son that doesn't happen for 25 years, tries to help God out with Ishmael, and it only complicates matters and uh, creates a, a, a problem. Mm-hmm. For, for Even in, in the context of God's redemptive plan, there became a, uh, a controversy within it. Uh, and so we'll, we'll come back and we'll finish up, try to get to the end of Genesis following the flow, seeing how God set up the redemptive process, the world and the redemptive process. And then we'll end up, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Moses, we'll talk about Egypt, we'll talk about uh, Joseph, and so on. We'll try to, try to finish painting the picture of uh, Genesis and finally yeah. give a little bit of an introduction to Exodus. Yeah. On Friday this Wonderful. week, we read from the book of Exodus, the opening chapter. So we'll, we'll try to introduce the book of Exodus as we move forward now from Genesis. I hope you'll stay with us out there. Uh, the Bible Live will return, so don't go away.
You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. God of the Promise, the name of the song. And it, of course, is a great reminder, John, good choice, to, about the redemptive plan of God, the covenant that was with Abraham, and the whole purpose was to carry out um, this plan to reconcile fallen sinful men to the holy, righteous God. <clears throat> and so uh, what was needed is something, someone that could bridge the gap between two actual um, attributes of God, his holiness and his justice and his righteousness, which demanded that sin have its consequences, uh, uh, judging sin and selfishness and disobedience and rebellion. Uh, and on the other hand, God's love for even fallen humanity. So how... How could we possibly just, how could we reconcile those two aspects of God's character, mm-hmm. his holiness and, and justice on one hand and his love uh, on the other? And that's what the atoning work of the Messiah, that's why, that's why we're shown here early in the book of Genesis that the redemptive plan of God was going to be based upon the idea of substitutionary atonement. In other words, God himself was going to, uh, see that his justice and holiness are satisfied that that sin is indeed does indeed reap its consequences uh, and is judged uh, the, the penalty of sin being death and, and that the way the means by which he would carry that out was through the Messiah, this man who would come uh, and live a perfect life of faith, trust, obedience, submission to the Father, and then he who knows knows no sin becomes sin in our place, like as John the Baptist called him, the Lamb of God, uh, in reference to the the lambs that were chosen for sacrifice to symbolize this atoning work that God was carrying out through a substitute. 
and uh, the the lambs and bulls and goats, they were just that. They were symbols of, uh, reminders of, that God was going to send a definitive uh, solution to the sin problem. Uh, No one is saved by the blood of goats and bulls and so on, but that was a constant reminder of, in fact, the redemptive plan of God was to be carried out by a man who would live perfectly and then give his life. So uh, we see that all being put into place, and we're going to watch now from the book of Genesis. uh, We move from Lot, and and we did find that passage where Lot is considered righteous. Yeah, Uh, and it is kind of... 1 Peter or 2 Peter? 2 Peter, Peter, um, 2, 7, and 8. And uh, yeah, Peter talks about Lot as being righteous because he was tormented and disturbed by the way, uh, the things that he saw around him. And uh, but it, it's hard to kind of it is a little bit hard to reconcile that because uh, seemingly Lot was doing was it, well accepted in Sodom, sitting at the city gates when yeah. the angels came in. He his own, um, you know, all of it with, with his daughters, what he did and. He offered up his daughters, and he, uh, and then when he tells his family to flee because God's going to destroy it, they thought, oh, Lot, he's just joking, so he doesn't seem to be taken very seriously in terms of his mm. truthfulness or his righteousness or his desire to... Anyway, so well, it's maybe a hard, that's, Maybe that's bit. a good picture for us to, we see, to see here, even from the beginning, this people of God. Yes, th- that right. Is, Right. It's not going. It's not that they're going to become perfect. No. Uh, we saw that in Abram. Obviously, uh, he goes and has his thing with his wife Sarai, who right. is his half sister. Uh, no, you we're talking about uh, 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 Sarai now. Remember when he went down to the oh, sure. and he went right. into Egypt, right. and yes. you know he he, he kind of we say lied, but I mean she was his half sister. He, he said she was his sister, not his wife, mm-hmm. because he was afraid that. Evidently, she was um, pretty. Pretty. She was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> she was pretty. <laughs> Says a pretty lady. Uh, anyway, and so he kind of, and we talked about the power of the tra- sex drive and all this. It was rampant, I guess, in that world. And and people were, wow, well, that's a good looking woman. I want her, you know, and so whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, but he, he, at least compromises the truth, at least. Uh, so the point I guess I'm trying to say is that it seems pretty clear and obvious that the, the people of God doesn't mean that they're perfect and they live perfectly and they never make a mistake. They're the people of God because they want God, desire God, mm-hmm. seek God, acknowledge God. They still have plenty of failure and weakness, mm-hmm. but that because of their faith in God, they've been made right with God, and then God is at work trying to teach them and lead them and influence right. them and guide them right. to begin to experience mm-hmm. holiness and, and, and mm-hmm. purity and righteousness. And I'm excited. That and that's the same need. process in us sure. today as well. Mm-hmm. And a part of that, and I like that you say he's, he's starting to teach them how to, Now a lot of that, it does begin in the family. And I mean, this kind of gets mm-hmm. down to, this is like, this is classical education. This is politics. This is Aristotle's Mm -hmm, the polity um, starts in the family. And then, and then you do see, I mean, Moses establishing law and kind of an order and it moves out from the family into then community into community uh, and society, society. Yes. Culture or whatever. Yes. And uh, I just think that that's, that to me is really fun. And, 
and very interesting and worthy of study. And all but, along, and all along the path mm-hmm. of, of, and you're right, that process is in, in being in place and from family then to a community to a, a people, a nation. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and not not to then try and reach some utopia, but for the the mm-hmm. the. The culmination yeah. is is just a sustainability. It's just yeah, that's a that's what, like we said. Tip. The whole goal is two things: one, to sustain uh, the oh, worship of the true and the vision of the true and living God, right. and that's what this people group and this mm-hmm. uh, Mount Sinai and and all that. When Moses mm-hmm. takes them out, that's what that that expansion is about. And all along the way, it's the same idea: is to uh, he's now implementing, starting to put in human history in human. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, human beings and the nations as they expand and so on. He's trying to sustain a, a vision of who he is and, wh- and what he's doing among us. And uh, through those who respond to that, he he says, I'm going to bring the Messiah. Uh, I'm going to carry right. out that, that role right. as well. Those two right. visions is the role of the covenant that we see in, in, a, in, a, in Genesis chapter 15 that essentially is a covenant that has two two aspects. One is uh, earthly, purely earthly, that that to live for Him and have a witness for Him, yeah. and be used. Of, and in, in both cases, though, it's God's faithfulness and power at work in them, through them, with them, and around them to make it happen. Right. And then, of course, the heavenly aspect of salvation and redemption through the Messiah. Mm-hmm. They were to they will be the instrument through which. The conduit through right. which God would bring. I always like how, Messiah. well, right, because we can't forget. Yeah. I mean, sin, the con- the wages of sin is death and um, steal, kill, and destroy. And sin mm-hmm. is a cancer. I mean, it will. Yeah, and, and- it's, an, it's an Old Testament uh, principle as well. We often see it really refined no, and clear right. in the oh, New Testament. Cool. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The soul that sins, it shall die. But it started in Genesis. I mean, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It, it, but but the principle is all the way through there. Absolutely. We, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone on to his own way in Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. And But God has laid upon him. This Messiah, yeah. the iniquity of us all. I like in that. I like how my pastor mm-hmm. says that uh, we we are here to to push back the effects of sin and darkness. I don't know. He says it much better. Mm-hmm. But um, you said it, it pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. But I, <laughs> I like that just that the language of pushing back and that God's people and who He is called has always been a people group that is trying to to push back against the mm-hmm. kind of onslaught of just chaos and sin and darkness and the effects of the effects of sin mm-hmm. on our world and uh, which sin is a contagion i mean it uh, you mm-hmm. talk about it and a, a virus of sin is, oh, yeah. it's a powerful impulse in the human the mm-hmm. selfishness and so on that expresses it, itself in many many and ways it never but. yeah cuz and and it never only affects one Person. I mean, it, it never yeah. is. It's not an it, it's not an island. It will. It, it has a con. It will always it, it spreads. It grows the effects of it. Uh, and that's what sometimes, you know, so sad is that, uh, you know, one person's sin. I think this is particular, especially as a parent. This was always a hard, a hard thing, a hard truth. And if, there, if nothing else brings you to your knees like this, then this will. But that your sin, mm. it affects your children negatively and the, yeah. and how crushing that is yeah. and uh, that's certainly if nothing talk about 
knowing you need a savior, not only to save yeah. you from yourself, but to save others from yourself, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is true. It really is. Uh, it, it, I like the pushing back. Uh, uh, I like Jesus in terms about salt and light oh, as well. Sure. We're yeah. to right. be a preservative, we're to be, yes. uh, keep the light shine and the light of, of truth about God, yeah, Jesus about is forgiveness. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, had, he had a way with words. Yeah, yeah that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. anyway, okay, we've got Abraham and Sarah. And, I mean, there are a lot of little individual adventures that take place, like their little journey down into Egypt and in, uh, and so on. But then and he's promised a son that's going to carry forth the lineage. And, right. and, and But it, it doesn't happen for 25 years. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't. Blame him, I guess, from just on a human level, getting a little impatient. But uh, but it wasn't impatience. It was lack of faith that, that God's going to do this. He mm -hmm. said he would, so he's going to do it. That's like he said he in the song we came in, about. it's about a promise. Mm -hmm. God, a promise. Uh, but Abram didn't wait. He thought, well, maybe the Lord needs a little help. And, of course, then Hagar uh, becomes a part of it. And... Uh, and Ishmael, and, but Ishmael is not the son of promise. Uh, he, um, it's a very interesting situation with, with Ishmael. Uh, Abraham loves him as, as a son and w wants you know to, to train him and teach as a, as his oldest son. Uh, but he's not the son of promise. And we we find Isaac and Rebecca uh, married. Uh, that's in Genesis as well. The interesting thing about um, Abraham and Sarah, and then, uh, it, it, and then Isaac, and uh, remember Isaac mm -hmm. is the one that's he's told to offer. After he has to wait twenty five years for this son of promise, then God tells him to take him out and sacrifice him. Mm -hmm. I mean, Abraham had to be just a little confused, but he he seems not to be. He, he does it. He's ready to do it. He. You almost Takes wonder Isaac. if he knows it's a bluff in a way. I mean, because it, it also just so many times throughout Scripture, it's knowing the character of God, like who, you know, who God is. And what, and it does just seem so. Well, we're told in the New Testament. Him. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. But, and we are told in the New Testament that Abram, Abram trusted and believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. Mm -hmm. Or some, right. That yeah. There must have been some. That he had this some is thought not, that, that this is. Mm -hmm. I will, knowing I'll that. I'll obey him, but I know God is God of his promises. Right. I, I'm trusting. And, and we're, we're told that that, again, mm -hmm. he obeyed God and God mm -hmm. counted it for righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, he believed God. So, um, and then, so you have to deal with Isaac and the substitution that God has given for him, his sacrifice. Where's the lamb, Dad? We don't have a lamb. Well, God will provide. Mm -hmm. And Do you think that mm -hmm. that also could have been sort of an opportunity of feed my, like a feed my sheep opportunity for Abraham, just even for his own sort of... Because you often yeah. um, kind of redemption in a little bit in a way as far as Abraham and having faith and trusting. He didn't the first time, but by golly, he was going to get it right this time. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Without a doubt. I, I, I think you have got hit right on the head. As you, now, we're also setting our pace here in the book of Genesis, I think, to uh, remember we've talked levels. 
One is the immediacy, what's happening immediately. Well, first is the big context of God and his redemptive plan. But sometimes we're talking about his redemptive plan in the terms of Abraham and Sarah themselves and their son Isaac, and it gets down to specific people, and we know their story, we hear their story and their adventure of faith in this situation. So that's what would, but you can also get up to a, you know, a 30,000 feet point of view, like from an airplane, and see the big picture of what God is accomplishing long term in, in, in the given moment. And you can look at most of these stories with that in mind. And you can look at their, the example Abraham sets, uh, the example that each of the people, remember, uh, he sends out his servant uh, to go and search for a wife for his son, mm-hmm. which is a picture of the redemptive plan of God to mm-hmm. send out, we're calling out a people who would be the, the bride of Christ, the, mm-hmm. the, the people of God. And he's, the servant takes on the, is a symbol of, a representative of a, the work of the Holy Spirit right. who goes out convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment and drawing men and women uh, to Christ and showing them their need. This servant uh, in, in Abraham's, uh, uh, in, in Jacob's, I'm, is it? Yeah. No, in Abraham's family, he's a picture of the, he becomes a picture of the Holy Spirit in our time, but he goes and finds Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Rebecca comes, uh, comforts his, uh, Isaac. Uh, Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. We see that as the next significant mm-hmm. generation. And Rebecca is told beforehand that Jacob is going to be the son of promise. He's going to be the one which had to be a really tough to situation. Mm-hmm. She had to know that her mm-hmm. second born was going to have preeminence and dominates over the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Rebecca told Isaac. He Isaac, when they're born and they're older, Isaac kind of favors Esau. Esau because he's kind of a man's man, he's right. a hunter and so on. But he doesn't value the things of God. Mm-hmm. Whereas... And neither do, hardly does Jacob, but he does enough to desire the birthright mm-hmm. and, and the uh, the blessing. It's kind of a funny, in a way, it, it's very reminiscent of Cain and Abel. And so, uh, mm-hmm. but at least they don't kill each other. So we're making right. progress. Well, uh, Jacob was afraid he was going to kill him. Right, but he didn't. But he didn't. And, that, one of and that's a good thing. We're <laughs> so glad. We're getting somewhere, guys. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah, so yeah progress. Uh, so anyway, they um, Jacob flees from Esau thinking that, you know, in fact, in other words, Esau had exact, had boasted, I think, that he was going to kill uh, Jacob. So Jacob goes back up north to where his Abraham's brother Nahor and other had lived in north, serving seven years to be able to earn the right to marry um, Rachel. Rachel. But then Leah. getting uh, deceived and having to marry Leah. And so he has to work another seven years uh, to get Rachel. And I think he has to work another seven years uh, before he can actually leave. Another seven years that he's building his own wealth. But let's just end up here as quickly as I can with Jacob, is that Jacob's story in the, new, in the book of Genesis is about a journey of a man to faith. Mm-hmm. Jacob starts out with a very rudimentary, just right. 
basic understanding of God and a desire for it and a valuing it, but then he doesn't have a true abandonment of yeah. trust and belief. It reminds me very much of kind of a of a of the normal progression in a way of children in their faith. Oftentimes it's kind of their parents' faith. Mm -hmm. It's something that, and maybe that's how I, I view good. what maybe yeah. Jacob's, it was more his mother's. Sooner or later it had to become it his. It had to become his, yeah. yes. And that's what we read about with the uh, the stairway to heaven and the angels yeah. coming down. And, 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 and with, on the way there, if you'll, if you'll prosper me, Lord, if you'll take care of me and prosper me and preserve, I'll worship you. And he goes 21 years. And God does it. Mm -hmm. So he's coming back and he wrestles with the man all night long. And, and his name is changed to Israel because he represents those who've wrestled with God and won. Mm -hmm. And so now he comes around to full faith. And, and he's after that, he, he stalwart. Oh, yeah. He stands for God. He trusts and God. One he, of the most and one of the most uh, telltale signs of that in the character qualities is his humility before Esau. When mm -hmm. Jacob and Esau do then finally kind of come to that collision, mm -hmm. Jacob is humble before his bed. And, I, and that what a stark difference between that and then from when he stole the birthright, you know. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, Even that didn't guarantee, though, that it was going to be wonderful, all a bed of roses, because he finally got right with God. His favorite son, the son of Rachel, gets killed, mm -hmm. murdered by his brothers. Not really murdered, yeah. but they act. He sold into slavery that's down right. in Egypt. I forget that's still Jacob. <laughs> yeah, that's still Jacob. <laughs> still my goodness, he's he's gotten things right with God. He's got his commitment straight, and all of a sudden, he's hit with this terrible disaster. Yeah, right. And uh, and we have his uh, son, his favorite son, going down into Egypt, mm -hmm. uh, and he is used as an instrument. They had a uh, famine hits Israel, uh, Canaan. So had, they have to go down there to get bread from the Pharaoh. He's the only one. And God has prepared that because Joseph, uh, Joseph interpreted some dreams. Mm -hmm. He has his own little adventures down there. He's in prison for, I don't know how many years. And, um, so it, you know, just the story plays out. God just uses Joseph, even Joseph himself, after being in prison and all the bad things he experienced, he says, you meant it when he finally reconciles right. with his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Mm -hmm. Oh, my land. What? Yeah, I mean, so at least Jacob's son, Joseph, was he was believing God and so on. And so that's where, that's where we end up with uh, Joseph or Jacob dying uh, and Joseph, except both of them dying in Egypt. And Joseph being uh, buried in a coffin in Egypt. So Genesis now has laid the framework. Mm -hmm. It's all going. The nations are expanding. A vision of the true and living God has been given over to a family, to a man, to a to a clan now. And now he's converted into uh, possibly a million, million and a half, two million people. Yeah, and this is the first. And they're enslaved. Right. <laughs> this And this is the first that we get of a of a real people group i mean no you know yes. it's been kind of it really has kind of been the family it's been abraham it's been mm -hmm. jacob it's been isaac um, now we have now the different we, tribes we of really israel, have yeah. and, and yeah it's like you said and it and they started as slaves yeah and they're they're and they they've became. preserved the general vision of the god of abraham, their ancestors abraham isaac and jacob and yet they've obviously, after 400 years there in Egypt and, and being in bondage much of that time, 
they've they've lost they've lost some of the understanding of the covenant and their calling as a people group to love God, obey God, trust God. Uh, I mean, maybe the gods of Egypt and so on. But now God's going to heal all of that. He's going to change it. He sends a a, a, a figure, a representative, someone who kind of symbolizes the Messiah ultimately. He calls Moses to bring them out of bondage. Out of bondage in Egypt, which is a picture, the beautiful, powerful picture of God's calling humanity out of the kingdom of darkness and sin and setting us free from the penalty of sin and from the power and influence of sin in our lives. So this, the the, the Passover there and the Moses delivering them from Egypt uh, that we're going to look at in the book of Exodus becomes... Uh, not only a picture of a big picture of the redemptive plan of God, but it's played out individual lives and details that we can talk about. Well, let's let's look at the book of Exodus when we come back. We've kind of reviewed uh, a little at depth and at length the book of Genesis, but I think it's warranted because it, it is that beginning. If we can get the foundation right of what God is doing, then we can move forward, I think, with better understanding. Don't go away, folks. We'll come back and look at the book of Exodus uh, when the Bible Live returns. What's Satchmo's real name? Louis Armstrong. That's, that's right. The great trumpeter. That's Louis Armstrong? That's Louis Armstrong. Wow. He has that gravelly voice. Do, but not always. He just that's yep. enough. He does that. Wow. I didn't know that. Does he often? Let my people go. <laughs> go down. Go down. Moses. Moses. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's very, very, very good. Well, there's our synopsis of the See? book of Exodus. Yeah, there you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> we finish for the night that has described perfectly what happened. Again. Well, let's get into the book of Exodus just a bit. Now, uh, as we always do, we try to give a little bit of o- uh, overview of the book itself uh, in broad uh in broad strokes, at least, to demonstrate Moses' authority as God's chosen leader and the vessel that God is going to use to bring now this people that he has gone to great lengths to prepare, Mm -hmm. Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob and then Jacob's wives, his two wives and his two concubines. And then then we have these 12 sons. And, and of course, he uses Joseph as a, who is evidently a very godly and, one that seeks after the God of his father and, va- and values. He uses him as an instrument through much suffering, of course. Um, but he, but Joseph stands the test beautifully. We're, he's one of those characters in the Bible that to whom we don't see attributed sin. Joseph is. Joseph we, and Daniel then? Daniel would be another, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Jo- we don't see any, any where we're well, actually... right says right. he did but There's eh, kind people of an think about maybe a little bit of pride right. whenever he Early was on. Mm-hmm. maybe I, i'm not so sure it's hard to tell if that was pride or if that was hit just Up him to, testifying <laughs> to the the fight the call of god on his life and what god who remember he understands these visions and these dreams mm-hmm. he, he evidently he understood it that god mm-hmm. says you're going to the sheaves his brothers maybe, maybe are going to bow down it, to him. He would not have said it. <laughs> it, it probably, it may have been better if he hadn't said it. But on the other hand, if he hadn't said it and offended them and gotten them angry at him, <laughs> then he wouldn't have been sold into slavery. And we wouldn't have the whole well, story of the book of Exodus but... would be out there. <laughs> or maybe God would have done some other incredible wonder and uh, or some other means of bringing through his plan. He could do that, of course. God has... Uh, and then what Aslan says in Narnia, well, what if he did it? And he says, well, he would have done some other great, great mercy, some other great expression, which maybe we could not even comprehend how it might have been done. But uh, is that a Narnia or is that just C.S. Lewis talking about? It sounds how God, yeah, mm-hmm, it does. <laughs> it sounds we'll like just it give Aslan present. Uh, well, yeah. that is C.S. Lewis, I guess. So, anyway, uh, God's authority, uh, uh, Moses' authority, is God's chosen instrument to encourage Israel to remain faithful, to bring them out of bondage, uh, slavery in in uh, uh, Egypt, and uh, set them free. And then we'll see a process of nation building. Now we've seen a mm-hmm. process of human building individuals right. we right. see uh, uh, Abraham building a family and a clan and groups and now now we're going to see God doing nation building they're right. going a, a large not just a community but a society a mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. that is to endure now for hundreds of years mm-hmm. uh, and, and putting in place the instruments and the the dynamic within them that would enable them to safeguard their faith, their vision, their understanding of the true and living God, mm-hmm. who he is and what he's doing, his redemptive plan and their role in it. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's a huge order. With, with, you know, we're, we're talking about upwards maybe of 2 million people mm-hmm. that 
come out of Egypt. And they're not all Israelites. They're not all children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There are many um, Egyptians and people of other nations that were being uh, part of the slave group, uh, used as slaves in Genesis. And they come out right. with, with yeah. the people of Israel, which is something to keep in mind mm-hmm. uh, for us. Now, uh, the themes that we, principal themes we'll see are a judgment, blessing. Uh, we'll see God keeping his promise in a big way and in, in a, in, in not just with an individual or family, but with a whole uh, nation, a whole people group, a nation. And we see some, some principles put in place for nation building. What would make a, what would be the infrastructure, uh, political, et cetera, that would be the glue that would hold them together. Now, ultimately, it wasn't politics. It was God. It was their spiritual right. side of them that was to preserve them and keep them. And we could take that as a on advisement for us as a culture today. It's our faith. It's not our government. It's not our wealth. It's not our military, uh, although those are a part of all of the story. But, but it's very clear that mm-hmm. the preservative the thing that would make the difference in, in between success and failure, between um, joy and victory and defeat and right. res- uh, regret would be the, maintaining their faith in God and obedience and trusting him. Uh, and so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at that process. What do we cover now in those? Uh, the book is written. Uh, Moses authored the book of Exodus Um some portions, however, were written by the hand of God himself. And so uh, Moses then, not only does he serve as his conduit, but he is also the writer, the author of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, we'll learn later with about the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And during that time, then uh, it, it, it seems it's Moses who has the gift of writing, has the intelligence to do it, has the he was trained in the, in, you know, in the palaces of Egypt. Right. He know he knows about, and it's the uh, Ten Commandments and even the covenant, as is expressed, is written. If you get the book of Deuteronomy, it's written in the format of a king, uh, a, a treaty that a king, would, a conquering king, would sign with his uh, a right. conquered country or state uh, that would tell them how they could have peace, how they could work together. And so uh, he knew about that format, that treaty format, uh, from his background. And so uh, it, it's thought very clearly that Moses was the one who authored the, the Pentateuch, the first five books. Uh, it was written for the nation of Israel, um, principally, while some portion, of course, of course, we are now part of Israel, and so we we're being encouraged as well by what we see God dealing with His people there in that time. Um, some of it was written for that first generation. Others uh, contained uh, content for the children and the great-grandchildren, the next generations of people of Israel, uh, probably written during the time of the wilderness wanderings, um, and, which was about 1,446 years uh, before Christ uh, as they wandered there during that during that period of time. So that, that tells us the overview, Stace. What, would you mind what kind of take over here and kind of guide us through the early chapters? We read through chapter 6, 
give us some of the high points you picked up on and you think that are significant and prepare us even a little bit for the rest of the book, if you don't mind, if you can. No, I don't mind. I do want to, yeah, the, the um, Exodus is, I mean, you, you get a lot of, of course, I mean, Isaiah and the Psalms and David and even in once you get into kind of Israel's history, I mean, of course, it's all profound and it all points to the Messiah. And of course, it, but the Exodus probably, well, one, it's just, it's so well known. I mean, the Exodus would probably want to be one of the most well known. Mm-hmm. You've got the Ten Commandments. Because we've all seen the movie. <laughs> right. Charlton Heston. You've got Mariah Carey and, and Whitney Houston singing about it. Yeah, together. exactly. <laughs> but, um, but it 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 is. I, mean, I, I guess I've heard, but that the Exodus is kind of to the to the Old Testament what the resurrection is in, in the new, mm-hmm. in the New Testament. I mean, the Exodus is that moment of kind of a new of of a, a rebirth, a new birth sense, yeah. mm-hmm. of a people. Yes, and a very much a kind of an image of salvation and of coming out mm-hmm. and. And and you can see that it's kind of the gospel in picture, it in, is. in story format in one book, and um, and it's really it has all the elements of the redemptive mm-hmm. plan. It has right. the lamb that's sacrificed at the Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the judgment of God falling on those mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on disobedience and mm-hmm. sin and rejection of God, and we have mm-hmm. God's people being taken out of and delivered from. Sins, not only the penalty of the sin, you know, the angel of death, over, but being delivered. And, now, and they will see part, partially their, the beginnings of their being delivered now from the power of sin over the influence of sin. Right. So right. The, it, it's a beautiful picture here mm-hmm. uh, in the book of Exodus, for sure, of, um, of the broader, bigger redemptive plan of God for all of humanity. Right. Uh, but you've got Moses. Tell us a little bit about oh, Moses as we Oh, that's I that's love, a great story. I love Moses. It, poor guy. I, I feel sometimes I I feel sorry for him. And on the other hand, of course, God knows what He's doing, and and I guess it was up to Moses to to believe Him. Here he is. He saved miraculously at birth. Yes. Oh, one thing also, uh-huh. just real quick, I'm sorry, but I, uh, evidently the context, and so the Exodus, they say as far as archaeologists want to give it a date on the early side would be 1446-ish, like you uh-huh. said, and then some say a little later in like the 1220s um, would be kind of the latest that it was, but no matter what which of those it falls on. Well, 1446 was really actually more the mark of toward the end of the period of the 40 years of wandering because 1446 uh, is the writing of Deuteronomy. Okay. Because that was a a five-week Moses who starts out here saying, I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker. Don't call me. I can't do it. You know, at the burning bush. Mm -hmm. He ends up giving a five-weeks sermon <laughs> a, a, a long uh, the book of De- a book of deuteronomy he found his voice, his voice. <laughs> yeah the book of deuteronomy uh, was that his sermon to the people of israel uh, as they were parked on the eastern bank of the uh, jordan river before passing over into uh, canaan so that that 1446 date specifically is just toward the end of the 40-year period uh, I'm guessing he probably wrote during during the 
the 40 years of wandering in the, in the tabernacle and so on. He uh, wrote the record in the Chronicle of, of you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right. and Numbers as well. Well, I guess, though, as far as archaeology and as far as Egypt's history, though, uh-huh. this doesn't fall at a time when Egypt is weak and vulnerable and, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, Israelites are able to kind of sneak out because it's a, a weak government or, you know, a weak. Mm-hmm. Egypt is booming i mean they're on their it's and in large part that's probably in terms of the slaves and all of the building projects that they have that is a sign a show of how how much power and influence and how lucrative they were um they were building you know all the the pharaoh's palaces and Mm -hmm. everything that egypt kind of we know of of today um, so this wasn't, you know, yeah. Egypt is not a weak little. No, and we could talk more about the historic setting as well. And so when for this Jacob, to happen under that. Yeah, when just... Joseph went down to Egypt, uh, they were not a major power either. But the famine gave them an opportunity to become a great powerhouse. And, and that famine was, you know, of course, we believe that God... In, has power over these things. And God used Joseph to bring the, the Pharaoh of that time to greater and greater power. Right. And Joseph, because he understood that dream and he, he could tell him, you got seven years of, uh, of bad, uh, of, of health, of great co- crops and all. And then you're going to have seven years of very poor mm-hmm. crops. So we need to save up for those seven years. Right. And, and so long story short, he, he, led to the strengthening of the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh of Joseph's time. uh, I learned from secular history as well is a, he was a usurper in a way. He was uh, the Pharaoh that Joseph, he, his foundations were in Canaan. So he was from that kind of culturally group that Joseph was. And that's why they hit it off. It was a Pharaoh who knew Joseph in that sense of culture, uh, uh, Right, alignment right. Uh, but then they raised up a certain uh, pharaoh who wasn't didn't know joseph right. and they fell into the slavery mode for 300 400 years mm-hmm. 300 more years or so so anyway i don't want to get into the details of that but let's just plant the seed six so, chapters right the pharaoh uh these they were honored uh, guests when they came right and, and then they then became they became increased in their number and they became a bigger population a and threat so, to, a threat and so but then the uh, slaves make them be the builders. And then... Uh, and then they tried to cut down their population by killing the infant children. Yes. Mm-hmm. And remember the midwives that, that wouldn't mm-hmm. obey and yay. they kept... That's right. Yeah, yay, midwives. So Mary, and then Miriam, so his sister, yeah. took Moses, put him in a basket. Miriam mom, was his sister. Yes, Miriam, his uh-huh. sister. Took his mom him. took put Moses in a wicker basket, I guess, with mm-hmm. tar or pitch to mm-hmm. keep out the water. Miriam uh, followed it, and evidently it a daughter of the Pharaoh to the daughter mm-hmm. of the Pharaoh who took him and took him as a, she said, adopted him. Oh, he's mine. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It's so sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah, he adopted him, and, and, then, and then Miriam comes out of the bushes and says, oh, do you need a babysitter? <laughs> I know a lady, <laughs> and Perfect. so he so he got raised uh, uh, to some and degree. What's so neat is you have to. I mean, I can't imagine that uh, 
the fair's daughter wasn't suspicious. You kind of get this sense. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? But you get the sense that she well, knew. she was a woman. And they have right. this intuition about she things. Knew. Yeah. And, um, hmm. and that just is a, a sweet... A little, a sweet moment amongst yeah. the women. We were never told we, that she knows, I don't think. No. She kind of fades from view after she adopts him. We're not told a great deal about, unless you watch the movie, <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Oh, she still appears <laughs> in there somewhere, I think. But um, but anyway, so Moses is raised in the palace with all the benefits of, you know, like the best degrees and the best studies and the best of everything in the palace as the son of the Pharaoh. Uh, or, or I guess a grandson, right, of the Pharaoh, uh, with all the advantages that would mean. Mm-hmm. And then he has this experience. He chooses to be identified with his people instead of with the palace. And so uh, he uh, ends up rescuing uh, uh, an Israelite man from his overseers who were beating him, and he ends up killing uh, uh, an Egyptian, Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And then he has to flee for his life out into the desert. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes out into the Sinai Desert. Uh, and he meets Jethro. He marries one of Jethro's daughters, Zipporah. And he's a shepherd for a number of years. And uh, 40 years, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, not 40 years, but I don't know how old he was exactly when he left. But... Uh, right. His 40 years ended at basically the the uh, burning bush. The first 40 years were in the palace and out into the desert, married Zipporah, had children, shepherded sheep out in the desert. And then we come to that experience. What is it? Chapter six or five where we see the burning bush. God calls him to. I think um, it's chapter three, actually. Is it? Well, it's well, well, early. I don't mind being corrected. I just missed it. <laughs> Only missed it by three chapters. <laughs> Moses in the burning bush in chapter uh-huh. three. Mm-hmm. And, and God calls him to go back and let and say, let my people go. <laughs> as, uh, as Satchmo said there. Uh, and um, says, I can't do it. I can't talk. And he gives him Aaron, his brother, Aaron, a younger brother, is assistant. Or is he an older brother? Hmm. Was Aaron older or younger than Moses? think younger, but I'm not absolutely sure. Uh, what do, you, uh, do you have any information on that? Maybe somebody will call in and tell us. We didn't give our phone number very much tonight. We just got busy telling the story of Genesis and now moving into Exodus. We'll try to give um, more opportunity for you folks to call in and answer some questions. We've got a ton of really good books and, and excellent gifts that we'd love to start giving out. So maybe December can be a month of gift giving and callers calling in. Well, let's try to work on that. Okay, Stacey. <laughs> you, you try to get that done. Right? <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> if well, you can get me to quit talking. Right? No, I think, let's see, what are we going to, we're going to get through mm-hmm. to six. Chapter but I think six. Um, just as far as Moses, we only have a few minutes left mm-hmm. before we'll um, wrap up for tonight. Go ahead. But I think that one of the, as we go through Exodus and as we read, just be keeping Jesus in mind and mm-hmm. his parallels between Jesus's life and Moses's life. And um, even from their very beginning, I mean, Moses being rescued from unusual, a, a, uh, unusual birth entry. Yes. Into the world. And from a ruler who's wanting to kill all of the male children. I mean, same thing, Herod, Herod. Mm-hmm. wanting to kill all of the, um, 
all of the the first all of the the male all the firstborn males mm-hmm. and um and, and, and then, Moses leaving the palace mm-hmm. of riches and wealth and right. and identifying with right. this slave people coming mm-hmm. in to be a redeemer a picture of a redeeming work right. used of God to be a redeeming work and for very them, much so of course abundance. Jesus leaving the throne leaving the to come to earth to mm-hmm. rescue and to save those who are enslaved and captive to sin and so just seeing those parallels is is is, is neat and and then especially then how is that even trans how is that transferring into my life what has he rescued me from what am i how in some ways can i be um that same sort of image that same leader that same um giver of life and of rescue um in in the lives of those around me mm-hmm. um i always I enjoy that aspect of the book of exodus well in the opening chapters god establishes moses and aaron as the leaders that his calling is on their life now that's an important point because it becomes contested later on oh, by the people of Israel. Right. But he now calls them and the stage is set now for Moses to say, let my people go and we'll get to talking about the 10 plagues and so on. Yeah, and we'll right. get into that next week here on the Bible Live broadcast. We hope you'll join us, folks. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.